to Malkir Talks, a Wheel of Time theory podcast. I am Rob, your host, and today I'm doing a solo episode. Not many of these happening these days. Um, those happening these days? Because, <laughs> sorry, because uh, I have so many guests coming on the show, and that is wonderful, but I'm doing one just solo today. <clears throat> so, you know, you just have to enjoy me for a little while. Hope that's not a bother. So what am I going to be discussing today? Well, I thought, what better theory to discuss than my recent submission that stumped Matt over at the Dusty Wheel that he'd never heard in 10 years of running Theoryland. Oh, I'm so happy about that. Nice little shameless plug there. I don't care. I'm going to be like, I had a theory that Matt didn't have. Um, I'm going to talk about what happened to the Gen Aiel, and uh, it involves the glass columns, for those of you who haven't heard the theory before. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. So firstly, I'm going to discuss the Gen Aiel a little bit. Um, I'm not going to get into too much detail uh, about some of their connections to the rest of the Aiel and such, but uh, just give you a little bit of back history. So um, obviously the Gen Aiel come from the Daishine Eel, uh, the Daishine Eel being the Aiel that served the Aes Sedai uh, before the breaking of the world. Um, so obviously during the breaking of the world, they were commanded by Solinda Sedai, uh, given a cache of Angriel, Sangriel, and Tangriel to take to a place of safety, which they eventually decided was Ruidon. Ruidion. I'm not sure why I'm saying it wrong. Um, and basically, the gen came after a couple of splits coming off. So we had a split off where um, you got the Tuafion, the the Tinkers, who decided that um, you know they they wanted to. You know, disappear off after a raid, um, forsake the command, and search out the song instead, thinking that will bring back peace and prosperity. And they formed the Tinkers. Um, but the the Gen Aiel came after a, a second split after that, which also followed raid. Now, Gen in the old tongue means true. And I think the reason they call themselves the Gen Aiel is because, um, you know, they stay true to the actual calling, whereas some of the Aiel, um, you know, decided to put on some dust veils and, and launch an impromptu rescue mission, so to speak, to get back some kidnapped people. And they then, um, you know, were kind of shunned by the rest of the uh, Aiel that were there. So that's kind of um, how we ended up getting the Aiel as we know them in the Third Age. Um, uh, but obviously the Gen Aiel stuck around, you know, they, they were the, they were protected by the new Aiel, I suppose you could say, um, the, their population swelled and the Gen started to dwindle down, um, and they were sort of considered lost, um, although they were descended from the original leader of the Aiel who was sent out by the Aes Sedai. Um, they've encountered my Sedai on the way, and then they found the city of Ruidon, Ruidian. Don't know why I keep saying it wrong, do apologize. Um, and they, obviously they're meant to protect all of the Angriel, Sangriel, and Tangriel they found, but uh, there's too few to do this, so they throw in a new purpose. And they make the huge Tangriel um, that was constructed in the middle of the city, and that would be how they test new clan chiefs and wise ones. Uh, and it will show the true history of the Aiel through the ancestors' eyes in order to teach their leaders about the true heritage and prove them to be strong enough to hold it. And the quote here, who cannot learn will not live. Um, obviously explaining why some never come out of the glass columns, because basically they've decided that, um, you know, th they can't believe this and it's not 
Uh, it's just not truth. It, it can't be real. This is not a thing that uh, can happen. As we see in the case of when Rand goes through the columns, uh, Kuladin's brother is there gouging his eyes out saying, no, no, this can't be true. In um, in terms of the glass columns themselves, um, you know, as described in the wiki, the columns are made of clear glittering glass that rise up nearly 100 feet into the air. It's pretty high up, I've got to be honest. That's like 10 stories high or something ridiculous. Um, they are arranged in concentric rings and are quite thin in comparison to their height. The glass columns are located near to Avendasura. And then there's a quote here from the books. In the centre of the plaza, near the burned remains of a great tree, a hundred feet high, stood a small forest of tall glass columns, each nearly as tall as the tree, and so slender it seemed that the first storm wind must bring them all crashing down. Even with an edge of shadow touching them, the columns caught and refracted the sunlight in glitters and sparkles. So, you know, quite um, quite an amazing, you know, just sort of looking um, sort of Tangarel there. Um, in terms of, obviously, their use, we say they're used to um, sort of pick out the clan chiefs and the wise ones. Um, so it's prohibited to everybody else, pretty much. There's a barrier around the city. Um, obviously, that was broken by Rand, but... Prior to that, only those who wanted to be clan chiefs and those wise ones apprentices who had been deemed worthy were sent through to experience the true history of the Aeel. So it's slightly different for every man and woman that goes through um, to experience this history because they see it through the eyes of direct ancestors. Um, the key events are um, sharing the water with the ancestors Kyrian and the Treaty of Ruudin. Um, they're, they're the key events that everybody sees, but the bits in between, you know, a little different to uh, each individual. And the idea is they learn from them, from the visions, that they're send, descended from a people sworn to peace, and that they betrayed that oath in order to be the violent clans of the um, Aeol that exists today. Um, obviously, that's quite shameful, that knowledge, and it's very great. Uh, and that's why some people just don't come back because they can't deal with that shame. Only one in three people survive the pilgrimage. One in three men, sorry, I do apologize. Um, and when the men come out, they bear a golden dragon tattoo on one arm, which is the mark of a clan chief. Women, when they go through the glass columns, uh, do not come out having received a mark. Um, and the, the women seem to um, pass this test more often than the men. This is kind of attributed to not just their training, but the fact that they've had their visions by going through the three rings as the first part of their training. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, it's quite an interesting experience, quite a very specific um, sort of... Uh, I mean, all Tangarao are specific, but this is very much like, you know, it's got one job to do you know, form the IE or teach them about their history. And once that is revealed by Rand, they kind of become a bit, you know, superfluous. Why Why do you need them? You don't need to keep pe teaching people this history. So, um, you know, it's they have a, a set time period of use. And then after that, it's a case of, well, can't use them anymore. Well, we could, but you're not going to learn anything that you don't already know. So it's a bit weird. But obviously, we know they get changed in the books. Uh, so, it, you know, they do have a wider function, uh, eventually, it turns out to be. So, it's, it's stated here in the wiki, the columns actually change the vision shown to correspond to the needs of the user. Um, but obviously, we're unsure if that's anybody or if it's just Aeel, because the only people we see go through have Aeel heritage. Obviously, Moraine goes through. 
um, but uh, goes to Radeon, but she only goes through the three rings. She doesn't go through the glass console. So it's only Aiel uh, that go through, which obviously Rand is included in. Um, and it's with her see this expanded juice with Avienda when she first goes through. So she goes through, sees the history, um, stops and observes the columns afterwards, um, and feels compelled to touch them, wondering about the future of the Aiel. And this very question here, what are the columns going to be for? You know, like, they, they seem to have served their purpose. Um, now, when she touches them, instead of seeing her past, she seems to see lives of the future generations of Aiel, um, which basically shows genocide by the, uh, by the Shanchen, which is not very fun at all to receive. Um, you know, it's quite quite a shocking thing to be taught um almost uh, you know as as terrifying as um you know finding out that you were meant to be very um very peaceful uh, society you know like not into war or anything like that and then it turns out that's kind of all you're doing um you know just yeah that, that's quite a shock but then finding out what happens to your your culture in the future is you know apparently especially when it ends in genocide is also a very shocking experience so I've got to keep it from the books here. I want to read out uh, whilst we're talking about Avienda's experience. And the quote here, she sent, now this is when she touches the columns. And uh, here's the quote. She sensed the powerful aura of the pillar. It was far more potent than any of the Ta'angriol that she had handled with Elaine. Indeed, the pillar seemed alive somehow. It was almost as if she could sense an awareness from them. That gave her a chill. Was she touching the pillar or was it touching her? And those are the four she has whilst touching the glass column, trying to read them and find out what they do. And then she starts taking her steps and, and experiencing the visions. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to be caused by anything Avienda particularly did, apart from trying to read them. Um, so it's almost suggesting there, uh, and the wiki agrees, that the pillars seem to act of their own free will, uh, giving the vision to Avienda to force her the enter, to enter the pillars again for a third occasion, uh, sorry, uh, for a second occasion, which no one has ever done before. So, um, yeah, this is this is kind of where my theory comes in. Now, what I suggested, and I suggested this on uh, the Dusty Wheel, we were talking four-phage um, sort of theories, ideas of what would happen specifically around the gen, uh, around the IEL, not the gen IEL, sorry, do apologize. And um, the concepts that occurred to me was that the the columns themselves were actually made using the souls of the gen Aiel. Now stay with me on that because obviously that's quite a little bit of a mind-blowing concept. As I said, 10 years running Theoryland and Matt had never heard that theory before, which once again I'm very proud about. <laughs> so before I go kind of into too much detail about how the theory works, and the idea behind it, I'm going to talk a little bit about the constructs that exist in the Wheel of Time, um, specifically about a couple that I'm going to read through, and then I'll delve more into why I think the um, gen became the columns um, that you find in Viridian. So constructs um, were made in, in a reasonable abundance, uh, not in terms of, uh, you know, how many different constructs there were, but and um, how many were produced, I suppose you could say. Um, and two I want to talk about are construction, uh, constructs, Nim and Chora trees. So um, constructs are 
um, sentient beings or, or beings with um, or you know creations with you know rather than just make a toe and grill um, that they have you know a sentience about them sort of thing they can they have some free will so to speak or an awe about them in that respect so we'll go through the nim first uh, and they were created using the one power for the benefit of agriculture. Uh, that was their, their their sole purpose, so to speak. So they're very humanoid plant-type creatures, hazelnuts for eyes, shoots for hair, things of that nature. And they tended massive farms and gardens in the Age of Legends. They worked with the Ogier and the Daishine Aiel, um, which is obviously the uh, ancestors of the Aiel we see these days. And um, their job was to go around doing um, seed singing, which was, um, the, the, you know, the song to make things grow. They were stronger, more bountiful, resistant to blight and pests and, and things of that sort of nature. In terms of appearance, um, Nim were proportionally uh, as much taller as Ogier as Ogier are to men. So obviously they're very, very tall. Um, and it was said about Nim that they would not die as long as plants grew and that where Nim touched, all manner of green and growing things thrived. Um, a lot of them, in fact, the vast majority of them were killed during the War of the Shadow. So Mishta was one of the last of them and uh, given the task of watching the Eye of the World by the ancient Aes Sedai. And when he died, he took Arthamal with him and made an oak tree grow from his grave. Um, the head of a Nim remained alive in a cave in Shara, but was killed by Demon Dread when he was searching for the last piece of the Sa'angriel Sakaman. I did not know that. Hmm. Learning things from the wiki all the time. So that's Nim, and the other one is Chora Trees. So Chora Trees line the streets of the cities in the Age of Legend, um, very distinguished from regular tree by their, tri uh, their, their uh, trifoiled leaves. Sorry, I couldn't get my words out there. Um, and when you sit underneath them, walk underneath them, things like that, you get a very you know, a huge sense of uh, contentment, you know, a lot of peace. All of the chore trees were destroyed during the breaking of the world, um, and they, you know, only cutting survived that the Aeol were traveling with, and one was planted in the center of Iridium. Um, that became known to the rest of the world as a Vendasora, um, and the Aeol seemed to, to know how to, to look after it. Avendora, Av Avendoradera, Oh god, I can't say that, I do apologise. <laughs> but that is the cutting from a Vendasaur that was given to Kyrian as a repayment for the gift of water that the Aeol received when they were struggling to um, find somewhere to settle and, and to, you know, proliferate the, you know, themselves. Uh, and they gave them free travel through the Aeol Waste to the lands of Shara. Sadly, that was cut down by Laman um, to make himself a throne and cause the Aeol War and all the sort of things that followed on from that. Uh, and there were rumours that the nation of Armuth also possessed a living sapling of Vendasora, or at least a branch, but that's been very unsubstantiated. And the keys to opening a waygate, a little mention here, are also in the shape of a chura leaf. So obviously all linked there. Now, as a small side note, technically speaking, Shadowspawn are constructs too, but I don't want to talk too much about Shadowspawn because I'd like to do those in their own episode. The reason I've mentioned Chora Trees and Nim is because that gives you two aspects there of constructing a Chora, of constructing a construct. Oh my god, my sentence structure really just screwed me there, didn't it? Um, but they, you, you get two sides of it there. So you have a very sentient being in the Nim that is there for, um, you know, it, it can make decisions, uh, as we see in the case of Samishta, who, you know, takes out Bathamal, Bethamal, 
however you want to say that. Um, you know, he was very conscious of what he was doing. He had his own, you know, ability to make his own decisions. You know, he wasn't just a case of, you know, a creature that sat there and was just like flip a switch and make something grow type thing. On the other hand, you've got Chora trees, which again, a construct, but there's um, no self-agency. The Chora trees don't move around. They don't, uh, you know, take action of their own regard, but they do have an effect, like a lasting effect, uh, an ambient effect that, you know, you sit under them and you get a sense of contentment. So the reason I'm, I'm comparing the two there is a construct can be both something that is sentient and able to make its own decisions and be aware of its surroundings and things like that. And also then an object that has a sort of set effect um, that, you know, isn't going to get up and move around and, and make decisions. Um, so, you know, construct covers a multitude of things going on there. The way I think this ties back into the glass columns and the reason I think the Gen Aeol sort of, you know, sacrifice themselves and their souls have become part of the constructs, uh, part of the glass columns. So, you know, it is spoken about how the Gen dwindled in numbers uh, as opposed to the regular Aeol that's, um, you know, they sort of just, there weren't as many of them around, especially by the time they start forming Rudion, uh, Rudion, that's, you know, they're just, there's very, very few about. The other Aeol, the the, the wars and, and the fighting has, has not stopped them from, you know, growing in number and clans and, and things of that nature. And they're very prolific, um, except for the fact that, you know, they don't fight the gen. But the gen, um, you know, there's less and less of them around. So we've got like 100 glass columns. Now, with the amount of time that's passed since they left the Aes Sedai, and all this traveling and, and the trouble and the dramas they've been through and the, and the destruction they've had to suffer, you know, it's very possible that their numbers were as few as a hundred or so, um, that, you know, they weren't numbered in the thousands, you know, the clans, you know, when you see the numbers talked about with, with Rand and how many he can summon, we're talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands sort of numbers easily. Um, you know, like I think something stupid like 50,000 came over for the Aeol War and that was, you know, just just a few clans sending, you know, some of their um, some of their fighters. This was not all the clans. So the numbers are massive now. Yes, it's you know, a few thousand years since then. But even so, you know, the numbers would have been quite large back then. But the gen were very, very small in number, uh, so small in number that they were, you know, slowly wiping themselves out. So I think 100 is a perfectly good number to have there. Now, secondly, I want to point out how the gen are referred to by the other Aeol. Um, they do, you know, describe them as the clan that is not, or the, you know, like the clan that's not there. They they're spoken about with reverence and um, an air of, you know, well, we can't really talk about them too much, and we don't really um, sort of, you know, dive into it, and we can't really tell you anything about them. And that's, that reverence is, is very important to me. Why would you have such reverence for a clan? Talk about them as if they're still around, but also, you know, be clear that they're not around. Call them the clan that is not. You know, these sort of things imply that they are there, that they are nearby or, you know, just hidden away or anything of that nature. Now, if you think about the fact that they may have sacrificed themselves to become the glass columns, that, you know, the mystery of that act and the, the thousands of years that have passed, you know, you could absolutely see how that description 
has made its way to the ideal. Um, you know, that's uh, through the, through their culture that they say, oh, you know, the clan that is not and, and things of that nature and speak with them with such reverence. Um, you know, I think that's a very, very easy connection to make there. And, and then lastly, we're going to discuss the, the construct connection. So um, as spoken by with, with Avienda, the, the glass columns, when she's touching them, they seemed alive somehow, you know. And I'm, I'm going to quote the book here. Indeed, the pillars seemed, and then there's a space in, in the words, alive somehow. It was almost as if she could sense an awareness from them. You know, now that speaks volumes to me. There is an awareness, they seem alive, that just construct. I mean, how could you not say they're a construct? Now, and to be very clear, you don't have to have a construct that uses souls or anything like that. But we know that is the case with Trollocs, for example, and Shadowspawn, if you've listened to my, uh, and, and sorry, uh, Thades, if you've listened to my Merdral episode, then you know that... Um, I talked about the theory that they are souls that have a connection to channeling. So we know that Trollocs and Thades are souls that have been corrupted. So there's no reason, and they are constructs, so souls can be used in the formation of constructs. Now, that can be constructs that are self-perpetuating, um, like the Trollocs and the Thades, um, or they can be constructs that require individual creation and and can't self-perpetuate which seems to be the case of the nim and the chora trees although one could argue that chora trees you you take the the cuttings and and you can grow more trees from them so yeah i suppose there's an argument there that they can self-perpetuate but that hasn't happened a lot i mean we didn't get to really on and find that there's you know a dozen of growing even though that tree's been there for thousands of years and it's extremely large um but you know you could take a cutting from it which is what they did do and make um, you know make more trees from it so, so to speak and what better way I would say for the gen than to have sacrificed themselves in this way because there's absolutely no way that they could be you know uh, corrupted into causing violence or hurting anybody I mean it absolutely allows them to follow the way of the leaf which is you know how they originally lived and how the gen continue to live their entire time but you know they're so few in number and dwindling in number that they um you know if they hadn't sacrificed themselves like this that they may not have made it through to the current times but the sacrifice allows them to guide the aeel and allow them to know of their heritage even if it's just a few originally knowing you know, because it is said that there was uh, a uh, prophecy given that, uh, you know, the Aeol would, would die out if they didn't send their clan chiefs and wise ones for this testing that was being created. And I think, if one second, let me have a quick look. I believe that um, it was Aeol, uh, sorry, it was an Aes Sedai who told the Aeol this has happened. It wasn't a Jen. So, yeah, the Jen set up uh, Ruidion, um, you know, trying to make it as if. It was like before everything was going tits up, shall we say, <laughs> for all the battles and, and, you know, the men going mad and things. And it says here that the city was never fully or properly inhabited and was left abandoned after the last of the Gen Aeol died. The items of the power they had sworn to protect long ago were left behind, scattered about in the central plaza. 
However, the Aes Sedai who accompanied the Jinn had made sure that the hardier warrior Aeel who protected the Jinn would not forget where they came from. They visited the wise ones of the Aeel in their dreams and told them of the prophecy of Iridion and arranged a system to maintain cohesion of memory through the Aeel. Uh, before the Karakhan came out, he chiefs, yes, we've already discussed all that sort of thing. So now I know that says that the Jinn died out, um, but, you know, I don't think that, you know, it can be taken as, as you know, just, um, just kind of like black and white that the gen died out i mean it doesn't say how they died out so you know it absolutely could have said that perhaps you know they were they sacrificed themselves with the help of the Aes Sedai in the process the prophecy itself comes from foretellings and dreams by the wise ones um and their prophecies and dreams basically describe the coming of the karakan the chief of chiefs and he who comes with the dawn and that man is destined to unite destroy and then save a remnant of a remnant of the I eel now i can I, I don't think it's very much of a stretch to sit here and um you know look at the um the, that sort of situation and see the aeel who still serve the Aes Sedai. Aes Sedai are there saying look we need to we're not going to make it we need to protect this covenant with we've, we've had these foretellings we've had these dreams we need to protect the Aeel and, and, you know, save them for when this happens, when the Karakhan comes. Um, and and all the things that, you know, uh, fulfill that situation to make sure that Aeel survive. So you sacrifice the Gen Aeel into these glass columns. They possess the history. They have the blood connection, you know, uh, wise ones, chiefs, things of that nature will, will connect with. Um, but they have that sense of knowledge that sense of sentience um you know that that feeling of being alive that avienda describes and the ice die of that age who are around knew how to make constructs they were part of the group of ice that that made constructs um so for them to have created this one doesn't seem at all unseasonable and then you know put the protection around the city and described to the remaining Aeol that, you know, this is how you will survive. Um, and those of you who don't follow this, don't send your clan chiefs, don't send your wise ones. You know, those clans will not survive. And within, you know, a few generations that happened, they were not there. So it just all seems to link together very well for me. And then, although Avienda has the ability to read Tangriol, and it suggested that she can change the use of Tangriol, um, I believe that she connected with that sentience and um, after her discussions with Nakomi, she sort of sees that, um, you know, the future of the Aeel is something that needs to be considered and, um, you know, what might happen to them is quite an interesting sort of th theological question that's posed to her by Nakomi of like, you know, what's going to happen? So she goes through the glass columns, she sees the history, but she already knows this. Rand has revealed this to the entire, you know, culture of the Aeel. They, they all know this. So what good is that going to help her? These thoughts are going through her mind. And the souls in the glass columns realize this. And they then make a change. And they adapt what they're doing to... Um, you know, to meet that need to 
help the IEL continue because the Gen never, um, never abandoned the IEL really. You know, yes, the IEL, they, they decided they were no longer true IEL. That's why they called themselves the Gen. And, you know, the, the warrior IEL protected them. But the Gen was still IEL. They still saw the warrior IEL and, as IEL, despite the fact they were not true IEL. And allowed, you know, just that they were still there and wanting to laugh. And that was why the prophecy of Rydion was, you know, the, the situation there was all put together. So I believe that the... Genial then saw this change in situation that was alerted to them by the first person to go through since Rand had revealed the history of the Aiel to the nation. And, you know, they they sense her coming through, they show her what they've been showing her, and then they realise, actually, the time of change has come. Rand has gone through, yes, but that doesn't mean he actually revealed anything. That doesn't mean, like, you know, has he done it yet? They might not have a sense of time. They might not understand how long it's been since Rand has come through. For all they know, uh, Vienda went through the next day, and he didn't have it. He didn't reveal it straight away. So they then learn from Avienda that that has been revealed, and she's pondering the future of the Aiel. And they use the power imbued with them from the Aes Sedai, making them into constructs, to then show them future. Because you've guarded the history, you've forged them into the nations, you've prepared them for for the Karakhan to come. But what now? What, what better thing to do for your nation, you know, as true leaders, as as true, authentic, original Aiel, than to guide them into the future, guide them from wiping themselves out? Because that was the whole point of the prophecy of Rudion, to, to protect as many Aiel as possible, to prepare them for the battles to come, for the Karakhan to come. So, you know, preparing them for the future, showing them you know, possible paths they can take themselves down that would lead to destruction just seems like a very logical next step uh, for them to have changed to. Because if they were just, if the glass columns were just a very static, um, you know, Tangriel that just showed the history of the bloodline and the person who stepped through it type thing, that seems very plain uh, for the situation they're in. That seems very, um, you know, I mean, it sounds bad, but it's very unexciting, isn't it? I mean, they're built up as, you know, the the item used to prepare the whole nation, albeit through select individuals, but to prepare the nation for the battles to come and the trials and tribulations they must go through as a race to survive. And then suddenly it's just like, well, you know, that's that served their purpose. Like if it was just, yeah. I think there's more connection there, and I think there is emphasis emphasis on that line um, where you know Avienda talks about that you know them being alive and um, you know just the the feel that she had there, the the aura, um, you know the the awareness. I don't think that would have been written in had this not been the actual case. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my argument there. Now. How can they read into the future? Well, I think that's just wild theorizing at this point. But, you know, it could link into the past using bloodlines. It's a, you know, the wheel of time is circular time. There is, I feel there's enough ground there to argue that they could speak, uh, you know, of the future and, and look into what's happening and and suggest changes for Avienda um, and, and other wise ones and clan chiefs to... Um, 
you know, for, for them to change things. How complicated is it going to get if you start sending through what we got like a dozen clans? Are you going to send through, or you know, send clan tree through every day? Wise ones are ad hoc sort of situation, but let's say you get a news what new, yeah, new wise one every few months. Um, at least, you know, say two clan chiefs a year, so what, like a half dozen people, let's go wild and say one person every month is going through, 12 people a year going through, um, or, well, there's 13 months in a wheel of time year, but, you know, 12 people a year, um, or 13 people a year, somewhere around that mark, a baker's dozen, we'll call it, there we go, a baker's dozen. How many changes is that going to make? Are we going to get into a very weird situation here where people are trying to constantly change things and it's like, well, we'll show you this history here, but then last month this person came through and changed this, so we'll show you this one. But yours is only valid for a month until the next person goes through. You know, like what if someone goes through one day and then someone goes through the next day? Like how much are things going to conflict? Um, but this will link into dreaming as well, I feel. Um, oh, there we go. That is something that I really didn't consider, but... The, the prophecy of Rideon came partially from dreaming. They had these dreams, and dreaming is, you know, as we know from um, Egwene, you know, helps you have the ability to predict the future. You dream true dreams. And the, the Aes Sedai, um, you know, have spoken of this, and, and through Egwene they learn more of it. But the Aiel have been doing it the whole time. You know, they dreamt that Rand would show up on a certain day. They dreamt things would happen. And so they dreamt the prophecy of Rideon, so they can see the future in that respect so yeah there we go boom that's it's just the link into dreaming and the link to tele um that allows them to see into the future and make those predictions going forward so i would put that's uh, how we get the, the future talk going on there and uh, but yeah definitely a bit confusing if you start sitting through multiple people in short periods of time um but you know that, that just gets in the whole sort of prophecy thing and you know if you tell a person does it change the prophecy does it not change the prophecy like uh, all sorts of mind-bending things like that but yeah just a very short one this week um i have talked about this theory in a couple of places so i didn't feel the need to go wildly crazy on it and i think it's fairly concise and you know to be so succinct on it is uh, not a bad thing because you know I, I would love to hear people's feedback um so please please send me comments uh you can drop me an email uh malcaretalks at gmail.com uh if you don't want to talk to me in a you know more sort of open way you can obviously tweet me at malkiri r uh, any feedback about the episode if you're in my discord server you can send me a direct message comment in the servers um you know uh, um, episode discussion um if you're not in the discord server and you are on discord feel free the link is in the description to the um, podcast so feel free to hop over there and um you know let me know what you think i would love to hear um you know your your thoughts whether you think this works or not and um just i'm, I'm i feel like i've stumbled onto something not wildly like oh my god it's going to change the world but something really just really really cool and i feel that if matt hatch has run a theory land for 10 years and not heard this theory but then really liked it i feel that it's pretty solid theory so i'm going to hopefully you know so i'm, I'm going to pop it out there brandon sanderson is quite open in the fandom and i feel like maybe i could uh, send him this and be like hey this is my theory please have a quick little listen tell me what you think um 
and uh, who knows maybe i've discovered something that uh, we should have asked maybe i've just come up with something that's really interesting but not at all pl plausible or true in the slightest but you know that is part of the fun of this podcast um, we theorize in all sorts of different ways um yeah so upcoming stuff i've got going on i'll give you a quick little buzz there i've uh, recently recorded with andrew the bard of time where we discuss the slog so that's next week's episode coming up and then i've got multiple recordings going on as i've got a little bit of time off work and schedules have just kind of worked out that way so we've got lots of different people joining us very soon um so please continue to come back week after week and listen to the content some of those will be live recorded in discord so you can join us andrew's was tonight that we did and uh, some of the others will be and some won't be. It depends on people's schedules, connections and, you know, internets and all things of that nature. Um, but yeah, please come and join us if you can and, uh, you know, have some fun because that's what this is all about. That's what all my channels and my connections are about, the, um, you know, the things I do. The last bit I'm going to finish on is talking about the Great Tam Joke Search of 2020. Um, as if you're listening on release day, Friday the 2nd of October, round two has officially started today with the wonderful people at Phantology running the first part of round four. Uh, you can also uh, follow round two Monday uh, from reading the pattern Wednesday next week with um, another turning podcast and then Friday the 9th of a hero's journey rounding out round two of the great tam joke search so please hop over to twitter at malkiri i'll retweet everybody's if you don't follow them and uh, you can obviously hop in and vote on those please get involved because i am going to run a competition towards the end and you need to be involved to be eligible so yeah that's it from to me today just a quick short episode almost like a bit of a snippet or a uh, a what quickie as they say over on the gleeman's channel if you know vance uh, over there um his wonderful channel as well and uh, yeah i'm just going to say good night and may you always find water and shade